In fact, if you have your Bible and you're going to be in here with us, I would encourage you, go ahead and open your Bible uh, to 1 Corinthians 12. We're actually going to be looking a little bit more in depth at one of the passages that Randy shared with us during our opening today. Um, You know, there are actually a few people in this room who knew me when I was younger. Um, You know, there's actually a surprising number when I look around. And, you know, one of the things that has got to be surprising for all those who knew me as a child is that I was not more popular than I was. I mean, it just, I had a Lamborghini waterbed as a kid, all right? Like, that should have set me on a trajectory of being the coolest kid in school. Um, I also, by the way, if you go back to the 2001 Christiansburg High School yearbook, you'll see prominently displayed in the senior uh, page introducing, you'll see a picture of me in my polo shirt with it buttoned all the way to the top. That's how cool I was. But just in case it wasn't cool enough, I was also wearing a lab apron and lab goggles because I was an AP Kim. I can guarantee you the yearbook guys put that in there on purpose because they hated me. But you would think with a Lamborghini waterbed as a kid, like I'm on the trajectory. But beyond that, there was a poster that hung over my bed. It looked like this. I actually found this on the internet today. You can still buy it. In fact, this was from a framing company who just framed this in September for somebody. Okay, I've had that since I was like five. Body by Lamborghini. High fidelity by Alpine. How many of you don't even know what high fidelity means, okay? Like half the room has never heard of a hi-fi, never had an Alpine car stereo. Like that, by the way, is a Lamborghini Contoc. I can't remember how you say it, pronounce uh, pronounce it correctly, but apparently it's, did I say, what? Countach, okay, that's that's how cool I am. I can't even pronounce the name of the car. It apparently was a formative vehicle as far as all the cool mid-engine muscle cars you see. But this poster was the idea that the body was built by Lamborghini, but the cool stereo in the car was built by Alpine. Well, as we're talking about the body of Christ this morning, we're gonna, it's not a body built by Lamborghini or by anybody else. It's a body built by God. As we've been looking over the last few weeks, we've been looking at where we're going as a church. By the way, thank you all so much for praying for me this week while I was out in Richmond. Uh, We only had one of our children go to the emergency room while I was gone, so that's pretty much a success for the most part. Um, But it was a great time to be away at class with a bunch of guys who love Jesus and who love his church. Um, I could keep you with some stories about some of the amazing guys that are a part of this group that I have the privilege of going through school with, but that's a different topic for a different day. What we've been talking about here is where are we going as a church? What are we trying to accomplish? What do we believe God is calling us to do and to be? So as we've been going through that, we listed out for you six purposes that we believe dictate for us where we are supposed to be going. Now, I know all of you have been memorizing this slide in the the weeks in between. So since I know you've memorized it, I know you'll notice that there's a change because I know it just, it jumped right out at you. We were actually supposed to cover discipleship this week, but in some ways, discipleship is kind of a good umbrella to sum things up with. So we popped that down to the bottom, and we're going to be talking instead about the fourth one, and that is edifying others through ministry and service. Now, uh, edify is a churchy word. It literally means build up other people through ministry and service. 
What we're doing this week is, again, we're looking at the theological foundation for that. Here in 1 Corinthians 12, we're looking at how God has uniquely gifted and equipped us. And then next week, what we're going to actually do is take some time to practically think about how is it that God has uniquely equipped you to serve his kingdom and his body here at Christiansburg Baptist or whatever church God has you as a part of. Okay, so as you're diving in this morning, uh, like I said, we're going to be here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, If you're not familiar with the letter to the church at Corinth, let me give you some background. The church at Corinth was, in today's vernacular, a hot mess. Um, The church had all kinds of issues. There were divisions in the church where there are people who had been baptized by Paul or people who baptized by another guy named Apollos. And so the people who baptized by Paul were like, well, I was baptized by Paul. Well, I was baptized by Apollos, and that makes me better than you. So there's this division that's taking place within the church. There's, There's this frustration. There are sin issues that are not being dealt with. The church is absolutely a mess. One of the things that's happening as well is There are certain people that God had gifted in ways that were more visible. And so those people were like, wow, that's super cool. You can do super cool things. I wish I could do super cool things. And those people who could do the super cool things were looking down on the others saying, yes, I know you wish that you could be me, right? So there's this pride, there's this division, and there's a lack of understanding about how God arranges the body that is the church. You see, the church is not just a civic organization. The church is not a club. It's not a country club. It's, it's unique in all of the institutions in the world. And the church, as God describes it in the New Testament, is a body that is built by God. So this morning, we're going to go through a lot of scripture, and I don't have time to cover all of the nuances of it, but I want to draw out for us three main truths. As you're thinking about how God could use you to encourage other people in the body, As you're thinking through that, I want you to see these three truths that we find about the way that God has built his body together, okay? So as we're going through that, um, I can't remember what I put as the main concept on the handout, so I apologize. Uh, Somebody read it to me and read what the blank is. If you got a handout this week, did anybody get the handouts? Okay. All right. That's all right. All right. Read it, Pam. Yes. Full of blank people. Sometimes it feels that way. No. Um, <laughs> for those of you who like to fill in the blanks, the word there is not actually blank. It reminds me of the Brian Regan joke about those cards that don't have anything in it. So it's what? Sorry you're feeling so blank inside. Um, but the idea here is God builds his church through people who are uniquely gifted. I think would be the word that goes in the blank there gifted, unless that doesn't make sense. And if so, then make up a better word, okay? It's great. For those of you who are guests this morning, we're not usually this disorganized. Often it's worse. Um, So just so you know. As we're diving in though, what we're going to be seeing is that God builds this body in a unique way. Some days it may feel like it's the island of misfit toys from Rudolph. Other days, everything's clicking along and going wonderfully. Um, But what we're going to see this morning is the first truth that we want to cover is that God gives different gifts to different people, okay? God gives different gifts to different people. Now dive in with me here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse four. Randy read these earlier, but let's go back through it. Now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. 
a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. So now there's a lot in that section, but the first thing that I want you to see is that as you're going through this, God gives different gifts to different people, okay? He gives uniquely different gifts to uniquely different people. But what's interesting is as he goes through that list, you see he gives different gifts, but the same spirit. When we talk about the Spirit of God, He is not an impersonal force. He is not an it. Uh, I get frustrated with some songs that we don't sing here, but other places sing, where it talks about uh, the Holy Spirit as if He's an it, kind of like the force. Uh, those of you who are like uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not the same as having a high midichlorian count for those of you who are Star Wars fans, right? That's not what we're talking about. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, his role in us partly is though to empower us to do what God has called us to do. So we have different giftings. There are different unique ways in which God has equipped you and I, but he's, all, he's given us the same spirit, his spirit, to be able to accomplish those things, okay? So the spirit of God's working and active in us. Then you see he goes on to say different ministries, but the same Lord. The idea with ministries there is that you and I have different positions of service. There are some of us that are going to have more upfront roles. There are some folks who may actually serve the church best by not even having a title. They may do stuff behind the scenes that nobody ever sees, nobody ever knows about, but that's how God works in and through them. So there are different ministries, but the same Lord. Now we just talked about the Spirit. This is pointing us to Jesus. When we see the Lord there, that's most often pointing us to Jesus. He's emphasizing here the one to whom we report. So the Spirit of God empowers us, and the Son of God is the one that we report to, right? Then we see different activities, but the same God works in all of them. That points us then to the Father and emphasizes the outcome of the events. So here's what I want you to think. As you're thinking about your spiritual giftedness and the way that God is working and placing you as a part of his body, what you see is God has uniquely equipped you. And when we say that, we're talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three members of the Godhead active in this process of equipping and designing you. Yes, you. You're like, no, nah, not me. Yeah, you. God equips the members of the body as he sees fit. Now, I believe that points to several things. He's equipping in what he's called you to do, but that also means you can do what God called you to do because it's the spirit who's equipping you. It's Jesus that you're doing it for, and the father's the one who's controlling the outcomes. So that means if God's calling you to do something, I just looked at somebody who fought what God was doing for some time and has finally given in, and it's exciting to have them serving in a unique way because they're seeing this. When you surrender to what God's called you to do, you get to see him at work. He equips you. He strengthens you. He enables you. So as you think about it, we'll see this more later, but God's given the gifts as he chooses, which means he's given you the equipping to do what he has called you to do, okay? Now, I'll be honest. There's times when we have situations where we may think that we're supposed to do something, but God has not equipped us to do it. 
That's okay. We'll figure it out. I think of one particular scenario a few years ago where we had a volunteer who has a tremendous heart, who loves to serve the Lord in any way, shape, or form that she can. So we asked her to serve in children's church. She did it exactly once. Not because she did it poorly, but because it was not her favorite experience. Okay? God had not equipped her to do that. That's okay. That's a good thing because she serves the Lord and his church in other ways. God gives different gifts to different people. Okay? So as we look through that, you see there in verses 8 through 10, this is one of the four main lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. Interestingly, each of the four gifts lists that you find in the New Testament are all dramatically different. There's a lot of difference between them. There's not a lot of carryover where you see the same gifts on every list. And so, although next week we're going to talk a little bit more about specifically kind of trying to discern ways that God may have gifted you, um, keep in mind that that's not always going to fall into a clean, neat category. Like, for instance, we have folks around the church who volunteer and, and do so under the radar to come in and do maintenance around the building, changing out light bulbs, fixing toilets that leak, you know, those kind of situations. There is no spiritual gift that I'm aware of that specifically addresses the ability to change light bulbs. Now, it does speak about the gift of serving and helping, and so that, that plays into that. But, but the gift of changing light bulbs and doing so with joy is not necessarily something that you're going to find listed out in the New Testament. So it may be that God calls you to serve in a way that, that you don't feel like fits in one of these categories clearly and cleanly, um, but the reality is God is the one who's equipping you to do those things, okay? Good so far? So God gives different gifts to different people. And as we think about this, that means then, here's the question. Do you think that it's important to use the gifts that God gave you? If the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all involved in equipping you, then yeah, that's something you ought to take seriously. Now, I don't know if this is an appropriate quote to use because the gentleman who said it was not a believer, but... He did, was onto something when Dr. Seuss said, today you are you. That is truer than true. There was no one alive who is youer than you. The reality is in the kingdom of God, there is no one alive who is youer than you. God has uniquely equipped and gifted you to fulfill a role that only you can fulfill, Okay. Now, that leads us into the second truth that we see, and that is because God is the one who chooses the gifts, God's the one who distributes the gifts, that means that every individual is important. Every person is important to the work that God's doing. Recently, we've been saying that our goal as a church is to be able to live like Jesus and lead others to do the same. We're kind of shifting the way that we say things around here. We're desiring to become a church that lives like Jesus and leads others to do the same. Every person that God has placed in this church family is a vital piece of doing that. We cannot accomplish what God has called us to do without that. Now, pick up with me again in the text here. Jump down to verse 12 and 13. He says, For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. All right, now let's pause right there. As we talk about this idea of spirit baptism, there's a lot of questions out there. Uh, the tricky thing about the word baptize is we've lost sight of what it actually means. The word baptize means immerse, 
okay? That's, that's the root of this word. It, it's found in ancient Greek pickle recipes um, where, you know, the... the uh, the cucumber is baptized into the vinegar. It's used of shipwrecks to refer to, to the, the boat or the ship being uh, sunk into the sea. It's immersed into the sea. So in the same kind of way, whenever you see the word baptize, think of the word immerse. So when we talk about giving the public profession of faith through believer's baptism, that's why we have the baptistry up here that we fill up with water because we believe the picture is that you died your old way of life just like Jesus died on the cross. You've been raised to walk in a new kind of life just like Jesus was raised from the grave and we immerse you under the water. So when it talks about the idea of being immersed into the spirit, what he's saying is that everyone who has come to Christ and been genuinely saved has been immersed into the spirit. Okay, so this is not something that happens after salvation, but it happens when we are saved. At the moment of salvation, an individual is indwelt by the Spirit of God. In other words, he comes and lives in you and with you. Um, This happens to everybody. If it didn't happen later, or excuse me, if it did happen later, rather, then Paul couldn't tell the church at Corinth, we were all baptized in one spirit, because there would be people there who had not had that second experience. The reality is for you to be saved, the moment you get saved, the moment you you turn from your sin to following Jesus, the moment that God draws you into that relationship with him, you receive the Holy Spirit and you're indwelt by him forever. So we were all baptized or immersed into the spirit or by the spirit into a right relationship with Christ, which makes us all part of the same body. Now there's application for this beyond just what happens within these, I would say four walls, but there's like six or eight because it's angled, right? But what happens within this church and this church family? This is what is so neat is, you know, I went to Richmond and I was around guys that are from about 13 different churches that are up there. These are pastors and staff members that represent a bunch of different churches around the Commonwealth and one guy from Maryland, one guy from North Carolina. And what's neat is when I sit down with those men, there's a camaraderie because we get it. We've all been baptized into the same spirit, into the body of Christ. So in one sense, there is the larger body of Christ, which is why I can go to Kenya and I can hang out with a, a guy that I met there named Titus. And Titus and I hit it off together. We had a great friendship while I was there for the 10 days that we were in Kenya. He's a tremendous guy who loves the Lord. And although our lives could not be more dramatically different and just so totally opposite, Titus and I had a friendship that came immediately because we've all been baptized into that same spirit. We have this unity that happens within the body of Christ. That's, by the way, why we're excited about what God's doing at Good Shepherd and what God's doing at North Star and what God's doing at Grace Life and what God's doing at Hope Valley and what God's doing at Valley Bible Church and what God's doing at at all of these churches around us that preach the gospel because it's all part of one body. However, there is a unique way in which God calls us to be a part of one body locally, okay? There is a universality to it, but there's also the local expression of it where God arranges us as members of his body locally for us to be able to serve, to be able to grow, to be able to commit to each other, to be able to, to, to work together, okay? So every person is important in that process. We see that as we keep going. Verse 14, indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It's not for that any reason, any less a part of the body. By the way, this is ridiculous. It's okay to laugh at this, right? Like, can you imagine waking up one day and, and sitting there and, and you say, your foot just says, hey, you know what? I'm not a hand, so I'm out of here. Like, I, I, I've always wanted to be a hand, but I don't have thumbs, and, and so I, I, I'm out. 
It's ridiculous, right? Same thing, he goes on to say, if verse 16, if the ear should say, you know, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It's not for that reason any less a part of the body. Because see, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. Each one of the parts. That's why we say every person is important. I need you and you need me. We need each other in this church family because that's how God designed it. There's things you're good at that I'm terrible at. There's things that God's equipped me to do that I have the privilege of doing that you would hate doing. God has worked to make it that way. And just because you're not the person who stands up on a Sunday morning doesn't mean you're any less important. Just because nobody knows that you went and did this thing doesn't mean that God didn't see it and that's not how God equipped you to do it. Same thing, if you serve in a visible place, if you're a teacher, if you're like me, I can't say that I'm more important because I do this. It's not the truth. I have the privilege of serving in a different role than what God's called you to serve in. But you are just as important to the body and to the kingdom. Every single person is important. You want a good reminder of this, by the way? Without being gross, I've had this thing on my eye for like two months, okay? It's a sty that decided it wanted to stick around for longer than it should have. At the peak of this, I had to wear sunglasses all day because it was so gross, okay? I'm just gonna leave it there. Now, in the grand scheme of life, that's a really tiny spot when compared to the rest of my body. But when it wasn't working right, it hurt. It distracted me. I couldn't think. I couldn't, like, I, I'm, I'm a wuss when it comes to pain. And so I was, like, I couldn't concentrate. It was really, really bad. Even though it was only one tiny part that decided to go haywire. Some of you have disc issues in your back. You know, a, a, disc, a vertebral disc is only like a third of an inch. Like, you know, you're, I'm 5'9". I used to be 5'9 and a quarter, but then I had a disc issue. <laughs> Seriously, I, like I, I was taller than my wife when we got married and now I'm not, okay? Because I messed up my back. And you know, when that messed up, that little tiny disc that just decided it wanted to scooch a little bit, all of a sudden I couldn't sit down for more than 20 minutes and then stand back up. My leg wouldn't straighten out. I, I couldn't run, I couldn't carry things, I couldn't walk. I've messed it up a couple of times since then. I can't sit up out of bed. It's just this tiny little thing that for the first 26 years of your life, you don't ever think about. But see, when a tiny little thing in the body goes wrong, it hurts the whole thing. And when we say that every person is important, I hate it because I know I take folks for granted. There are times when things just happen around here like magic. Stuff gets done. And I've not always done the perfect job of being able to acknowledge how grateful I am for every single part that's contributed in different ways. Like, you, you realize planters of flowers don't just magically appear. We have somebody who does that on their own time in the midst of a lot of else going on in their life. 
They serve the Lord in his church by beautifying this property. Every week, Daniel and the team have been faithful to lead us in worship, putting together songs, rehearsing, prayerfully preparing their hearts. Your Sunday school teachers have been faithfully teaching for years. But, like I said, I've not always done a great job of acknowledging that as I should. So, for what it's worth, thank you. Thank you to all of you. Um, But then there's also the little things, the phone calls, the, the meals, the small stuff that nobody sees. Those are just as important, just as vital. So thank you for the unseen and unsung parts of God's body. Every single person is important. You may never have an official title, You may never have an official role, but the reality is you are vitally important. If the members of the body aren't serving like they should, it can hinder the entire work of what God desires to do. Everything has to work harder. Everything has to to pull more because that part of your body's not working. So every person's important because God has uniquely gifted you in a unique way to serve. So, Why did God then put you in this body? What is he seeking to accomplish? Well, the third thing that I want you to see from this, ultimately we know that everything God does, he is doing to build his kingdom for his glory, okay? That is God's ultimate purpose behind everything he does. He's wanting to expand the awareness of what he's doing and how he works and helping us to follow him more closely. But in building a body, he is building a body for our good. God builds a body for our good. Go back up to verse seven. A manifestation of the spirit is given to each person for the common good. This pushes back against some of our ideas about church. A lot of times we look for a church where I'm going to be fed. And you better be at a church that's preaching the gospel. If, if they're not talking about Jesus, then you need to find another church. If, because it's, it's not a church if it's not about Jesus. That's, you may call it, but it's not. However, if we're looking for where I'm going to be fed, that's kind of the wrong perspective. Because see, God's given you a role to fulfill. God has equipped you to serve him. Now, there are times when God shuffles the members of his body around and he moves folks from one congregation to another. And and sometimes you don't understand the dynamics. There may be nothing wrong. It's just God does that because he's God and he arranges the members of the body as he sees fit. But as he's building his body, what he's doing is he's gifting and equipping you for the common good. For, for us to, to get stronger and to get better. That's why if you jump down towards the end of the chapter there to verse 24, the, the second part of it there, if you're using the, the CSB, it's the new paragraph where it says, instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. See, as we look at this, God has uniquely equipped with this diverse group of people, with this different set of giftings, 
different backgrounds, different life experiences, different stages of life, all of these things. God brought this together to build up a body so that there would be no division, that it'd be unified, not uniformity where we all have the same ideas and dress the same and talk the same. We had a cult come by the door yesterday and they all dressed very similarly, you know, all those kind of things. No, that's not what we're talking about. I don't care how you dress. What I care about is, is your goal in life to be able to honor Jesus as your king, to live like him and lead others to do the same. If that's the case, then then we can work together. And that should be our unifying point. You may not like the same music I do. You may not dress the same way I do. You may not like the same stuff I do. You may not talk the same way I do. That's okay. One body unified around Christ, even with diversity inside it, okay? Now, with that though, that unity allows us to work for the common good. Verse 26, so if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Now, I would say we're okay at this part at times. We do pretty good. We take meals, we come alongside, we pray, and we don't always do a good job. But honestly, we're usually a little bit better at suffering with those who suffer because here's how this works sometimes. Let's be honest. You've done it where you go to somebody's house who just lost a loved one, whatever, they're grieving. You you stop, you talk with them, you drop off the food, you may pray with them before you leave. And then you get in the car and go on about your life and say, glad that wasn't me. That's okay. That's normal. That's natural. But we suffer alongside each other. You know what's harder? To rejoice. You know why? Because sometimes somebody gets the promotion that you kind of wish you had. Somebody gets recognized for something that they did that you wish that somebody would notice what you did. Somebody gets put forward and you get overlooked. You, you feel like maybe that, that nobody's caught the fact that you're, you're doing this or, or that their family seems to be just going great and everything's wonderful. And, and as if they knew what was going on at home, you know that things are falling apart. It's harder to rejoice with those who rejoice sometimes. It's harder to sit there and say, well, bless God. I'm so glad you got that thing that I've always wanted. But see, as God assembles the members of the body as he sees fit, he does so in such a way that we will come alongside each other, we will weep with those who weep, we will mourn with those who mourn, and we will rejoice with those who rejoice. We will celebrate. Because, man, I'm so excited that God has given you this. He's equipped you to do this. He's leading you to do this. That's what it looks like to be a body built by God. A body that recognizes there's diversity, that you're gifted in ways that I'm not, and I'm gifted in ways that you're not, and that doesn't make me better or you better. That makes us different. We have different roles. God's given those different gifts to different people, but every single person is important in the role that God's called them to play because what God's doing is building a body for his glory and for our good so that we can, as we said earlier, edify one another through ministry and service. This is a little bit of a difference, by the way. Last week, we were talking about evangelism, and that's mainly looking outside the walls of the church, sharing the gospel with those who don't yet know who Jesus is, whereas ministry and service often takes place within the walls of the church. How do we take care of each other? How do we love each other well? So as we look at this, this is what God's doing. He's building a body 
on purpose. Now, here's the question. I know some of you are still trying to figure out where God has called you to be and and land. But my question for you is this. If God has made it clear that you're supposed to be here, do you realize that he's done that on purpose? Do you realize that he has you in a strategic place to do something that only you can do? Now, it may be you're the only person who connects with this other person that God's drawing into the body. Or it may be that you're supposed to lead a ministry. You're supposed to be in charge of something. I don't know. Maybe you're just supposed to faithfully attend. And I don't think it's just that, though. There's more to be done. Maybe you're faithful to call. Maybe you're faithful to visit. Maybe you're faithful to sit down over coffee and listen. Or faithful to plant flowers, change light bulbs, all kinds of things for the glory of God. So what is it that God's calling you to do? Now, as we look in at verse 27, let's wrap it up this way. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is not Sean's church. This is not Mike and Tim, our leadership team. It's not Mike's church. It's not Tim's church. It's not Daniel's church. It's not your Sunday school teacher's church or the deacon's church. This church is Christ's body. This is his church. This church has had other pastors and one day we'll have another pastor. I have the privilege of serving here today, but God's the one that's building the body because it's his church. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's building. He gives different gifts to different people. But as we think about it, you and I, as we serve Christ in his church, this church is his because he paid for it with his own blood. You see, there may be folks who've spent a lot of hours who love the church and who've done a lot of things but there's only been one person who's ever given his life for this church, and that's Jesus. He loved us so much, he would die on the cross, take my sin and yours upon himself, be buried and raised from the dead to offer us new life and the privilege of coming into his kingdom to be a part of his body, his church. That's the starting point today, by the way. You know, I imagine as we look across the room, most folks here probably have a relationship with Jesus. You know you've made that decision, but I'm not assuming that everybody does. If you've never surrendered to Christ, you want to be a part of God's body, that's how you do. You surrender to Jesus who loved you so much to die in your place and say, God, I'm committing to follow you as my Savior, my Lord, from this day forward. And then you find out what God wants to do with that, how he wants to equip you to serve his body. But Most of the folks here, you you probably are a believer, as far as I know. How has God gifted you to serve? Now, next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the specific ways that God may have gifted you and helping you figure that out practically. But why not? Let's do this. Go ahead and every head bowed, every eye closed. So just bow your head, close your eyes. If you're a guest, we're not doing anything weird. We just want you to be able to to kind of close your eyes for just a minute and, and think about what God said before it gets crazy and you go to lunch and all that stuff. 
Here's what I want you to think through. Are you walking in obedience in what God's called you to do for his body? Is there something you need to do differently? Is there a decision you need to make? You say, well, you know, I know that I need to talk to Sean about this thing, but I, I'm scared to do it. Listen, if God is equipping you, calling you to do this, the Spirit is empowering you, Jesus is your boss that you report to, and the Father is inviting you into this. So why not surrender this morning to do the thing that God's called you to do? Then if you feel like you're at a place, none of us are perfect by any means, but if you feel like you're at a place where you're serving at the ability and in the ways that God's led you to serve, why not pray and ask God to make it clear on the hearts of others? Because we have some key strategic needs that we need to see God provide folks to fill. And so would you ask God to begin working in hearts of people that he's placed here in his body to help them to step up to take those roles in the way that he's called them to? Would you, would you ask God to, to give our leadership wisdom to know who to ask to do what? And again, if, you're, if you know what you feel like God's calling you to do, would you pray for God to give you the boldness to do it? I'd love to talk with you more about how to get involved. I don't have all the answers and I may not have a, a great solution for you today, but I want us to pray and think and talk about it, okay? Take a moment there and just do business with God. If you need to talk to me, I'll be down front. If not, you just continue praying where you're at. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the church at Corinth that was a mess. Thank you that you reminded through Paul, the church there, that the church is a body that you're building. That you're building it in different ways by giving different giftings to different people to serve in different roles, but all together with one purpose that's vitally essential for us, to see Jesus exalted and honored and glorified. So God, would you to see how you want us to grow? Would you move in the hearts of those who need to step up and serve in a different way? Would you give peace to those who are already serving at their capacity that, that it's okay, they're doing what you're calling them to do. But if they're not, would you give them the strength to see that? The willingness to step forward, not only to give our money like Randy was talking about earlier, but also to give our time to go beyond just the, the physical gifts, but to give our talents, our abilities, to give those things to you as well. We want to become a church who lives like Jesus and leads others to do the same. So please, Father, give us grace. Empower us through your spirit to accomplish the mission you've set out in front of us for your name and your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.